I finished reading Into Thin Air by John Krakauer a couple days ago. I'm about to give away some of the story, so there's my warning if you want to read it first. The book is Krakauer's account of the disaster on Mount Everest in May 1996, where eight climbers died over the span of a day. The book is clearly and movingly written, but I was amazed while reading the postscript just how controversial it appeared to be and probably still is after its release. I expected a sober description of the tragedy and to get a sense of what it's like to go for the highest summit in the world, but the ending gives way to an acrimonious fight over the narrative. Like many arguments, the core of it is a disagreement on basic facts, who was where or when, who talked to whom, and whether conversations actually happened. The memories of each participant are made somewhat suspect by the pernicious effects of the altitude, which does strange and terrible things to the human psyche. If there's a theme to Into Thin Air, it's delirium. Anatoly Bukriev, a guide for Scott Fisher's Mountain Madness expedition, which attempted to summit on the same day as Krakauer's, hated his portrayal in the book. Into Thin Air suggests that Bukriev abandoned climbers he should have shepherded on the deadly descent from the summit. I will say that Krakauer doesn't lay all of the blame at Bukriev's feet, and my main takeaway from his account was that many factors led to the fatal outcome. Perhaps most importantly, the decision of Rob Hall, the leader of the Adventure Consultants Expedition of which Krakauer was a member, not to turn his climbers back from the summit at the prearranged go-back time. There was also the traffic jam at Hillary Step, where three expeditions bottlenecked and frittered away precious time on summit day. All the same, Bukriev took his perspective to print through the author G. Weston DeWalt. Their book, The Climb, hit shelves later in 1997. Krakauer writes in his postscript, quote, DeWalt, who oversaw the research, wrote The Climb, and has assumed the role of Bukriev's spokesman, undertook the derogation of into thin air with notable energy and enthusiasm. He has tirelessly expressed his view of my book and my character in print and radio interviews, on the internet, and in personal letters to family members of those who died on the mountain, end quote. DeWalt called into question Krakauer's journalistic integrity, saying that Bukriev's quick descent ahead of other, less experienced climbers, some of whom died in the ensuing blizzard, was part of a plan he'd arranged with Fisher and that Krakauer hadn't bothered to mention this. Krakauer fires back that DeWalt talked to none of the people present who had critical views of Bukriev and who remembered no such conversation or plan. The whole thing is still more complicated and emotional since Bukriev died in 1997 during an avalanche on Annapurna, just after he and Krakauer had just begun to patch things up. But Krakauer doesn't let himself off the hook for some of the tragic events on the climb in 1996 either. The lack of oxygen at more than 26,000 feet above sea level the death zone is so debilitating, even after weeks of acclimatization, that almost any exertion leaves you feeling drunk and clumsy. Krakauer faults himself for causing undue grief over his false initial statement that one of his fellow climbers, Andy Harris, a 31-year-old guide on the Adventure Consultants expedition, had made it down to camp after summiting. Krakauer had been sitting on top of the final icy and steep descent off of the ridge back to Camp 4, the highest camp at 26,000 feet, and claimed to have a brief conversation with Harris. 
who asked for directions back to the tents. Krakauer pointed them out, and Harris attempted to descend the icy slope, lost control, and tumbled to the bottom. Miraculously, he was unhurt, and Krakauer saw him wobble back toward camp. When John made it back to camp, too, he informed others present that Harris was safe, and this report made it all the way back to Harris's partner in New Zealand. However, another member of the expedition woke Krakauer later to tell him that Harris was not in his tent. Confused and disoriented, Krakauer retraced the steps of the man he'd seen descend the icy incline off of the ridge. While searching, he found a lone set of tracks leading away from the camp toward the edge of the Lotsi face, a 4,000-foot drop, and assumed in the whiteout conditions that Harris may have, in fact, fallen to his death. This is what Krakauer reported in his initial article for Outside Magazine. Turns out this was all an error. In the aftermath, Krakauer determined that the man he spoke with on the ridge was not Harris at all, but another climber named Martin Adams, who described to Krakauer his conversation with an unknown climber on top of an icy sheet that sounded almost identical. Krakauer writes, quote, For two months I'd been telling people that Harris had walked off the edge of the South Col to his death, when he hadn't done that at all. My error had greatly and unnecessarily compounded the pain of Fiona McPherson, that's um, Harris's partner in New Zealand, Andy's parents, Ron and Mary Harris, his brother David Harris, and his many friends. Andy was a large man, over six feet tall and 200 pounds, who spoke with a sharp Kiwi lilt. Martin was at least six inches shorter, weighed maybe 130 pounds, and spoke in a thick Texas drawl. How had I made such an egregious mistake? End quote. Given Krakauer's utter exhaustion at that point in the trek and the stupefying effects of the altitude, it's easy to see how this all could happen. To this day, Harris's remains have not been found. Aside from the controversy arising over its version of the facts and timeline, I found Into Thin Air to be an inspiring read. Though bleak, John and the other surviving members of the expedition, such as Beck Weathers, who essentially rose from the dead, overcame incredible despair, exhaustion, and adversity to make it back home. It might be the wrong takeaway, but it makes me want to push myself and join a mountaineering expedition. I'm not sure if Everest is in my future, but certainly something like the Grand Teton, Mount Rainier, Shasta, or even Denali. Mountain climbing has a hook to it that's easy to understand. It's achievement in a very distilled form, especially in places where humans weren't meant to survive. I've realized in flying airplanes, skiing, and other similar endeavors that the risk gives the adventure meaning. Without it, there's no achievement. Also, in case you're wondering, you can still summit Everest with an adventure consultants expedition but this one runs $69,000 and spans 63 days, so not for the faint of heart or thin of wallet. Everest has also seen a huge increase in climbers since Krakauer's ascent in 1996, tens of thousands of summits by 6,000-plus individuals. My guess is that Into Thin Air and the IMAX movie Everest had something to do with that. <laughs> 